HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky Tunes. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm your host, Darren Bresnitz. Today, I sit down with Shin Irvin, the creative partner at Shin's Pizza, and Chef Melissa Lopez, the chef and partner at Shin's Pizza. And we are recording on a Friday, which means it's pizza night in America. And we dive into that delicious topic and more with them. We talk about Shin growing up in Philly, how Melissa and him came together to create a beautiful personal pizza shop in Cypress Park, and the type of art and the music that you can expect when you go grab a slice. And then it's deep into the archives. And we had Alex Rose before she became Canyon Counterpoint, doing a performance, playing some incredible songs from her then-released debut album, Accordion Pages. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes here on Heritage Radio Network. Touch me, I am sick. I am strong. I am lustful in this abyss. I'm neither formed, I am not full. I'm a great divide. All is amiss. And busy me. 
Snacky Tunes. I'm so excited to be sitting down with Shin Irvin and Melissa Lopez of Shin's Pizza, LA's, one of LA's newest additions to the pizza pantheon of the city. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thanks for having us. You know, Shin, um, you and I both grew up in Philly, and I don't know if people really think think of it as a pizza town but I, it's where i had my first slices you know especially down on south street lorenzo and sons oh yeah, yeah. Um, which is you know a legendary but i don't know if it's legendary outside the city where did you eat pizza growing up and and what do you love about the city's take on the cuisine oh that's an interesting question i mean i mean i i grew up with a pizzeria that was very close to me it was almost like mm-hmm. two blocks away um, for me, it was more of a, a place to hang out. Mm. They had like video games <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, we would go in there after school and like order some fries and things like that. And like share like one tub of fries, with, like tons <laughs> of ketchup on it. Yeah. And then we would play video games and it was just a, it was like home base. Yeah. Um, and I think the pizza in Philly, the way I felt it was a bit different was that most of the pizza in Philly are, were run by, I feel like, more Greeks than Italians. Mm. And I think Greeks have a different take on the Philly-style foods, even the hoagies, sure, sure, the sure, sure. salads, and everything was uh, slightly different from the Italians. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I remember like a more buttery crust. I remember, um, feta and peppers and olives in my salad. Um, you know, it's something that when you just grow up, especially when you're younger, you're like, well, this is just what pizza is, especially, I mean, you're a little older than I am, but like, you know, when you grow up, you're like, my pizza is defined as the pizza within my hometown. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Melissa, you grew up in Nogales, Arizona. What was your relationship with pizza growing up? Because, you know, I know that pizza's been put on the map a little bit in Arizona. But, you know, what was it like when you were a kid? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like growing up in Arizona, like now and even when I was younger, it was like, you know, Pizzeria Bianco. And that was like the end all be all of the yes. good pizza. Yep. Um, mm-hmm, I didn't have mm-hmm. that until I was much older. Um, I think my relationship with pizza was this place on Morley Avenue called Vesuvio's Pizza. And the one mm-hmm. thing I remember about it was like a braided crust. <laughs> that was all. I mean, you know, you obviously have wow. like Domino's and Pizza Hut, uh, but Vesuvio's was like the only local pizza shop with the braided crust. They had huge slices. And uh, I remember it being really good. Although, now, if I think back on it, it was probably only good because it was a mom and pop kind of run pizza shop. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, there's that ritual. I mean, it's all good, right? But it's a part about the 
you get the family together. It's like usually Friday night. I know Shin, that was a big part of you growing up with you and your mom. Um, was that like, let's get pizza, let's hang out, let's be a family together around like a slice? Yeah, because I, I was a latchkey kid. So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I would have to kind of take care of myself. Um, so like the only time we really like had time was on Fridays and like on weekends. Mm-hmm. So my mom really liked to eat out and try different kinds of cuisines. But Friday was always kind of designated to just like, let's get a pizza, let's stay home. Let's just like, you know, um, have some one-on-one time um, between my mom and I. So mm. I really cherish it because it's just, you know, I don't, I don't think people realize like those kinds of times are like, it's kind of rare in today's society. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it doesn't happen often because people are so busy with their lives, you know? No, I, I hear you. And it's, you know, I, I live in this part of LA called Altadena and we've had two great pizza spots open up in the, in the last couple of years. And it's amazing how much myself and my family have gravitated back to pizza night. More than anything else is like, a, let's get some pizza, let's hang out, let's be yeah. family together. It's so special. Um, is that something you guys, either of you still practice today with your families? I think for me, it's more of a Sunday night kind of dinner now. Uh, I have like a, mm. I have a two-year-old daughter who, you know, she eats very early. But on Sunday, we definitely make it a point to, to go out to dinner early, uh, you know, try different restaurants. I live on the west side of L.A., so, you know, try different restaurants out there. But mm-hmm. pizza night uh, for me, too, growing up was always on Friday nights. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. until I until I opened up the pizza shop and started working with Shin more closely and his relationship to Friday night pizza with his mom, I don't think I realized how much of a staple that was in my life growing up until, until I was mm. talking to Shin about it. And, you know, and, and yeah, I think Shin's really right about the lack of kind of time that you set aside for that now, nowadays. And, uh, it's a really special thing and to have a pizza shop where Friday is definitely our busiest night and to be able to try to recreate that for families in Cypress Park and adjoining neighborhoods is a really special thing when you really take the time to think about it. Yeah. Also, I, I think now that I am a parent um, that works, I can understand by Friday night, I'm like, if I have to cook another meal yeah, or make another... Exactly, exactly. I'm like, let's. can we just order something um, and something totally. that the kids are going to eat? Now, I, I want to get to Shins in a little bit, but, you know, Melissa, you referenced Pizzeria Bianco and, you know, this this radio network is set in the, in the shipping container back of Roberta's. Uh-huh. And so obviously pizza and the idea of like what you could do is, I don't know, fine dining, but like prestige restaurants with pizza has obviously shifted now over the years. And that's definitely a way in. But when you were coming up, um, and I'm going to use your words, not mine, you sure. worked in intense kitchens yeah. <laughs> in New York and Los Angeles. Um, what brought you into the restaurant world? And, and when did you start to think about different type of restaurants that you would want to be a part of? Um, it's like a really good question. I think I was drawn to cooking when I went to on a tour at the French Culinary Institute when I was looking at culinary schools. Cause I, I, you know, I went to college, I 
I got a degree because it was kind of like what you had to do in my family and it felt like it was just checking a box mm -hmm. but there wasn't really any passion behind what I studied I studied journalism sure. no offense to you or any journalists out there but it just wasn't necessary for me and no, no, I, uh, yeah no. <laughs> I, I started touring culinary schools and I always wanted to live in New York City and this was just like an avenue for mm -hmm. me so mm -hmm. I walked into the school and I sure. smelled freshly baked baguettes and I was sold I was like this is what I want to do and you know I went to culinary school there they just pump it in pump it right into the foyer for everyone exactly, right exactly it's like a subway but a better version of it uh and um and that was it I was like hooked and you know school was very foreign to me they spoke French I had no idea what they were saying most of the time and I remember being very overwhelmed but always like but very challenged and like understanding that like it was a good, uncomfortable feeling that I was, you know, going through every couple of days when I was going to school. And I was very lucky to get a job in a kitchen in New York. Uh, it was working pastry, which I was terrible at. And that really set my the foundation for this idea of working in a place where you're kind of uncomfortable, but you're getting through the day and like pushing yourself to, to get better and to understand how you could get better. And I think that you know, I don't think that there are a lot of uh, industries that kind of make you do that on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, Shin, your entry into the restaurant world was through design. But before you started designing restaurants, you were in the music world, uh, working for different labels and things like that. What did you take from that design experience and how did you apply it to more spatial design and restaurant design. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was living in New York at the time when I first uh, got my introduction to a record company, which was Motown Records. Mm. And, you know, I was just thrown into it because I had no idea uh, hmm. what I was doing or what I was getting into. Um, but it's 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 a it's a fun atmosphere when when there's creativity with people who are creating sounds and music and you know you have an office with your own stereo in it and like mm. as loud as you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, mm -hmm. we used to pump it where the <laughs> like because me and my buddy shared another another uh, colleague, David Harley. He we shared an office together and we used to. He used to love playing like, you know, like music super loud. And I, I, I wasn't used to it, but then I realized that you start to hear more if you play it loud. And, yes. and through, through that process and working for a record company, obviously you get to party a lot. You get to, you know, be introduced to all kinds of things. And I think through that process, I started to get into restaurants and food. Because we would work late, and then in New York, it's great because you can mm -hmm. go out anytime. So afterwards, we would, you know, just seek out different restaurants. And I remember actually sitting in Leal, Bourdain's mm. uh, restaurant, yeah. at the time with my friends Jameson and Jennifer, and like we'd be sitting there at the end of the night and then, you know, this guy comes in and sits down and starts smoking cigarettes in front. Cause they were friends with Jameson and Jennifer and, uh, we would just talk about the night. And I just found that really like 
to me, it felt very romantic. Yes. The whole thing. Oh, yeah. And I loved the feeling of it. And I, I just... I do, I was just a fan at at first, and then I guess once when I got to LA, um, I got my first opportunity to do a restaurant brand, um, which was called Jelena. Um, at the time, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, arguably now one of the most famous restaurant and restaurant brands, if not in LA, in America. Yeah, for sure, that is uh, an iconic, yeah. iconic. Restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, and at the time I was just surfing and you know and like freelancing, and I was just been through a divorce, and like mm. I was just trying to like recover. <laughs> and then this thing shows up, and like they they told me I, I was had a contest with somebody from New York, and I was like, "You have two days to do it," and I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> and, it was just one of those things. I just did it. I did three concepts. I sat with Travis and his yeah. partner, and like they just Travis just gravitated to this one design. But sometimes it's just not, not, not. I don't want to say not knowing, yeah. but just being put into these constraints of either time or just being open to what is out there in the world and the influence. And sometimes that's the best work. It's just I, so it's so pure in some ways. Yes, that's exactly it. And uh, I, I, you know, respect to all the people who design out there and stuff. Of course, of course, of course. But I just feel like now it's almost like they take too much time. They take, Mm -hmm. you know, like they consider so many different things that it becomes robotic. (laughs) Right. No, I I hear you. And and I think maybe the same can be said about restaurants and cooking and things like that where it's just like you're under so much scrutiny and you have so many influences at hand that like it just feels formulaic at a point all right let's take a quick musical break and when we come back i want to talk about uh getting shins open um how you two met and uh some of the music that is played at the shop uh we have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on Heritage Radio Network. Climb up your green candlestick You're running out 
always robbed your house But you're too slow and he's got an out That giant's got one big bone to pick And oh, she's in the forest And oh, she's coming for us back to Snacky Tunes. I'm sitting down with Shin Urban, creative partner at Shin's Pizza, and Chef Melissa Lopez, the chef and partner at Shin's Pizza. And before the break, we're talking about design and being open to this creative flow of when thinking about doing a new design or cooking new food. Um, And Shin, you talked about not wanting to get in the way of food, but that the details and all the little touches do add up to the total experience. How do you find that balance to create an identity and give something its own visual language, but not be too overwrought to the point where it just feels that it's a mess? Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's a really good question. I really love that question. Um, because I, essentially that's how kind of I approach um, creativity and how design can interact with um, whatever it is, whether it's a beer company or it's uh, a restaurant. Um, for me, I always felt like my job was to, um, everyone I meet is highly creative and you know talented and they have their own views on things. And for me, my job is to kind of like take that element and translate it so that it can Mm -hmm. translate in a visual way without 
without like screaming at you. I mean, yes, <laughs> right, there right. are certain designs and things that will scream at you, but there's a purpose for that. Um, and for instance, like working with someone like Travis Lett, um, he is very particular. He has a, you know, he has mm-hmm. his own vision about what the world should look like and what uh, his food should feel like and taste like. And my job is to kind of support that. It isn't to stand out. It isn't to like, like, hey, look at me, you know, like I'd rather be the guy in the background. Um, and that's kind of how I approach every project. Mm, I love that. And Melissa, a similar question to you. Um, how do you make sure that the food is telling a story and represents a restaurant but doesn't get in the way of being too complicated or too fussy. Yeah, I think I was, I've been very lucky to work with chefs and mentors who have kind of always preached that less is more. You can like build a dish and build Mm. layers of flavor and, you know, season throughout and all those very basic things. And I think that pizza is like the epitome of that. Like you have to be able to have a very solid foundation of dough and sauce and cheese and then build upon that. And mm-hmm. even with the sides that we're doing, which is not typical of a pizza shop to kind of cook sides to order and to build flavor and, you know, a small little to-go container is not necessarily the easiest thing, but you have to be able to kind of push the limits and decide that, you know, adding one extra thing or not adding that thing is going to make, make that dish memorable, you know, and that's kind of my goal is to, when I'm testing something to test it. 15 20 30 times to make sure that like Mm -hmm. when people take a bite of that then they're going to remember those flavors and that combination of ingredients and i think that's a really really cool thing to be able to to do that with food yeah it's that balance to create craveability and a wanting to return which is so much about what a pizza shop is is about like this is this is our spot this is our place that we go as a family or I go on, you know, my lunch break. Um, Shin, when did you first get the idea that you wanted to open up a pizza shop? When was designing restaurants for others no longer enough to scratch that creative itch? Mm, I think it really started like for me, like when uh, I was in Costa Rica around 2016. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. You know, at the time I was doing, uh, I believe I was starting on the Line Hotel. Mm. With Roy? Yeah, with Roy. And um, I started to get into the weeds and like, I got really excited, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> like, you had all these touch points and like, right. you have so much influence and like, fun with it. Um. And then, you know, I realized, like, this is something I would like to do if I could just, like, if I had money and I just would do it myself. Right. And I thought, like, well, maybe maybe I can be also a smart business guy. Maybe I can get somebody that can help me support that. Yeah. Um, so Find someone else's money to help support yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Exactly. 
but you know, um, also my, uh, my, he's my ex-business partner, but Rudy Majayas, he was my mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. partner at Folklore for, I don't know how long, probably about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, we actually, in the very early beginning, we opened a hotel together, um, mm. in Malibu. It was called a native. Now I believe it's called hotel June. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I always had that desire in me to do that. And we had, we had a couple other attempts, you know, we were going to do a ramen shop at one point. Sure. Um, but to me, you know, it was all a learning thing. Cause it was like, I'm back in school and you know, it's trial and error and see what happens to stick my neck out there and see what will happen and learn from it. Um, and that's kind of how I approached it. And, uh, and for Shins, unfortunately, this came to be because the pandemic happened and um, my mother happened to pass away, not from the pandemic, but... Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, during that time. And then I just kept thinking about her and I kept thinking about those Friday nights. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. My heart, heart was telling me, like, you should open a pizza shop. Mm. And I was like, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need the right partner. <laughs> yes. So we looked, I met Adam a long time ago um, and then met Holly afterwards. And then I really respected what they were doing in, in the culinary world and operations world and like just the vibe of everything they were producing and and i got along with them you know so i thought it would be a great idea just to partner up and lucky for me they agreed (laughs) (laughs) and uh they found melissa which is even more amazing to me because uh, Melissa, you know, she, her temperament and her, like, she's always happy, you know? Mm. <laughs> no, she is. I mean, I, I don't know anyone happier than Melissa. Um, I mean, that, that is a good quality in this, in this industry. Yeah. Absolutely. And she reminded me of my mother, like, in mm. spirit. And uh, it just felt like it all just fit. I mean, that's so beautiful. I mean, you know, the great thing I think that Adam and and Holly and everyone at Last Word Hospitality does is building these restaurants around a personal story, around the right team. And you see it with like Found Oyster and Queen Street, among their other places as well. Um, Melissa, no pressure to take (laughs) Shin's childhood (laughs) memories with his mother and turn that into a reality with food. Um, and have an iconic new pizza shop open up. What was the process for you there? You know, it's it's funny that, you know, I think about Shin's, like, Shin and his story, like... Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get a little emotional when I think about it. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's just because it's such an honor to have that like 
to do that for somebody, but it's also what mm-hmm. he does for me, you know, and for the people that work there. And he has a photo of his mother and his grandmother, like, right as you walk into the kitchen. And I, like, every time I walk in there, I think about, like, honoring that memory. And it's it's kind of... Um, it's a huge responsibility that I don't take lightly, obviously. But, uh, you know, Shin is, uh, he would give you the clothes off his back. He would feed you till you are so full you could not eat for weeks. Like, that's the type of person he is. (laughs) And, you know, to be able to work with somebody like that and have that same, uh, you know, drive to do good and to honor somebody's memory is like, you know, you don't get that at every restaurant that you work with. You don't get to work with people who care and who want to do it for, like, a bigger reason. And, you know, I I, I try every day to, to think about that and to honor that memory of his mother. And, you know, and then people in my life, too, that have helped me to become who I am. And I don't know. I think it's a it's a really sweet thing. I mean, it's, it's so sweet and it's so beautiful and it does feel so personal. And I think that's, I mean, that is the beauty of something like pizza. And, and you said it before, it, it can seem so simple, um, even the whole space itself, but it really is a powerful thing because it is not the, this is our anniversary meal. This is not the, you know, we're going out to celebrate. This is like the, the workhorse of a restaurant that becomes the part of, of the fabric of a family's life. And yeah. to be able to pass that story through this food is, and, and you know, you're, you're somehow then creating those memories for someone saying like, this is where we did our pizza on a Friday night. And it's inspired by where I did my pizza on a Friday night. And it's just, it's, it, it is a responsibility, but it's such a beautiful one to have. Yeah. And I don't think people like, take the time to think about it as much anymore, you know? And it's that same idea course, that like people aren't sitting down for dinner every night with their family. And, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to like do that, hopefully once a week for people, then that's, that's a big deal for me. I I think so too. I think to be a regular anywhere these days is a lot. And to, to be this, like, well, we're going to see, I'm going to see these families every week. Just, they become a part of your life too. Yeah. And, you know, touching on the, the personality of it, it's like you walk in and it just does feel like you've entered into someone's space that's lived in. And I think part of it, that is the way it's designed and and um, the art that's on the wall and, and the music that's playing. Can you talk a little bit about like when, what into those elements of the space? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to recover from uh, <laughs> Melissa. No, I know. <laughs> Right. Take your time. Take your time. Of course. Um, that was beautiful. Thank you. I. Well, you know, you know that I love you, Shin, and I. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna start crying again, but you know. I... Well, we probably don't need to do this here, but you know yeah. that I love you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I I couldn't have asked for a better human being. Um... Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, design. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm sorry. I don't mean to like try and move it along, but I'm, I, uh, uh, I want to give you the space to talk to each other and then also to answer the question. So take whatever time you need, of course. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I mean, for us, uh, you know, it was, it was to me a group effort. It wasn't mm. just like I had, I had ideas, but obviously Adam and Holly know what they're doing. So of course, um, we talked about this sort of like place where it just opens up to the street because we have a, such a beautiful mm-hmm. wide sidewalk and a tree. Um, and we wanted that kind of LA aspect of it to differentiate it from like the mm-hmm. East Coast style pizzerias. So first thing was to, we needed to open that window and put a counter. Um, and then the second thing we wanted was important was to see into the kitchen. Um, that's why there's this big window where you can see the people behind the scenes. Just so much fun. You know? Yeah. yeah it's like a, you know, like a live television kind of yeah. see it. And um, as far as aesthetics and things, you know, um, I, for me, m- memories of East coast style, uh, little places, mm-hmm. um, even places in Tokyo, <clears throat> to me, like these little places, little gems. So I, I, I just took the elements that I liked, you know, I like the color green. Um, you'll see that in a lot of the branding these days too, that we mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff is green. I, I admit it, but, <laughs> 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 um, and then I, I wanted to include some artwork and people that I've worked with in the past and the things that I've discovered in flea markets and, and just, you know, my love of, of the ocean and surfing and those kinds of aspects and put it all together and also allow room for growth so that, you know, different, because I remember in Philly at Jim States. Uh, oh, yeah. One of my favorites. Um, you would stand up and eat a steak sandwich downstairs, and there was a signature wall of all the people mm-hmm. that came through Jim Steaks, and everything in black and white and some in color, and just covered the whole wall. And I always remember that, and I always felt like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like it's like a growing wall. Mm. Um, and that was the idea behind it. Um, and the music is just stuff I like that I listen to that I put together. It isn't more than that. Um, and I included some more soulful Philly, you know, artists Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because, you know, that's kind of where I grew up and, uh, listened to, you know, the types of music, which was more soul. Um, so yeah, just a little chill place to have a slice and like hang out and like look at the wall and get entertained for a second. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like a little bit of a respite from LA of just swinging in, good music, good slice, low pressure. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to ask about one of the slices before we go, because I do believe that the mortadella slice really does signify so much about what the spot is about and 
Melissa, I had asked you the story behind that slice when I when I ate there, but I'd love for you to share um, how it came to be and how it's become such a visually iconic um, part of the culinary landscape in town. Yeah, I think when you start developing recipes and you kind of have always a vision of what it's going to be, and most of the time it doesn't necessarily end up that way. Uh, I knew I wanted to have a white pie on the menu and... You know, I was when I was R and D, I was talking to Adam about just obviously like pizza, and he was telling me when he went to Rome, he had this pizza that was just had a ton of uh, sliced mortadella on it. And I was like, oh, maybe that's mm-hmm, going to be my white mm-hmm. pie. And there was obviously different uh, variations of it. And when I was, I had the idea of putting the you know the ricotta on the bottom of the pie, baking it, and then just putting the mortadella on top and. Uh, the ricotta got like chalky and it was like not the right texture or flavor that I was looking for. So then I just put uh, mozzarella with garlic and olive oil and made the base much more simple. And I knew I wanted the elements mm-hmm. of the ricotta, just the creaminess of of that on the pie. And then just putting the sliced mortadella on top. And what I love about that slice is that it's the hot pizza and then the cold uh, ricotta dolloped on top and then the cold slice of mortadella and I'm always a big fan of temperatured variations in a dish like a you know cold salad with a hot something on top uh, when I worked at Bestia one of my favorite dishes mm. there was the chicken gizzards with the endive and beet salad and that was like the epitome of texture and a bunch of stuff but that was always one of my favorite it's dishes it's just like the hot and the cold and I think that mortadella slice is that same thing where it's super hot slice cold ricotta that kind of like cools the temperature of the pizza so you're able to eat it and then the just meaty fatty mortadella on top that's so amazing you know i had that gizzard dish the other week and i can absolutely now see the parallels between the two of them it's it's incredible yeah Uh, well listen shin melissa congratulations on Shin's Pizza, thank you so much for sharing so many stories and all the beautiful sentiments between each other. It's It's been a pleasure to have you on. If people want to stop by the restaurant or follow along online, where can they go? How can they get a slice and maybe make this place a part of their family tradition? Uh, yeah, so we're located at uh, 1215 and a half Cypress Avenue in uh, Cypress Park in East L.A., uh, you can visit us online at shinspizza.com and order directly from us. Uh, we sell slices online and whole pies and all our great sides, as well as Italian ice, too. So you can get everything on our menu uh, online. Uh, we, I'm obviously like honored to be doing this with Shin, and it's, you know, having a pizza shop is not, it's the hardest restaurant I've ever worked in. <laughs> Uh, but you know, to be able to hopefully create memories and rituals for people is going to be the most rewarding thing all at the same time. So beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you both. We have another song from the archives and then a live performance here on snacky tunes on heritage radio network.
My name is Brandon Hoy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Alex Rose, welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you for having me. Uh, long time friend and hanger out at parties, first time guest. <laughs> yeah. I think our friendship is, uh, you know, when, some people, when people are just like, oh, how'd you meet them? And you're just like, kind of like, you're like, oh, around. Well, it's like, well, like we, literally like, we met li- around. I, it was, uh, I had another friend um, a few years back that uh, I like, uh, oh, Jess Rotter, who used to be a Mexican summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, now yeah, it's Latin yeah, Attic. Sure. Uh-huh. That. We ran to each other so much that I we were both convinced that we had each other's phone number and like we that we had like obviously texted each other to meet up, and then I was like, oh hey, I'll call you. Then I had to get her number from somebody. I was like, this is, and I feel like with you through Ben and Maggie. Yeah, absolutely through Ben and Maggie. And, so. and then yeah, and then there was like that one week where like three nights in a row, and I was like, we should just like let's just call this a friendship. Yeah, let's just. I think we're call friends now. I, yeah. when, we'll call when, friend. we, uh, when we exchanged phone numbers, I think that was the real just like. Oh, I still don't have your phone number. You can get it from me. Okay. But I mean, but uh, f- like uh, exchanging friend phone numbers is still, I don't know, you're kind of can I get, can I get your number. I don't know. It's so dorky, <laughs> especially because it's like, I don't know, because we like already had this like existing <clears throat> like foundation of friendship. Yeah. Then to sort of interrupt that and be like, yo, dog. Um, yeah. I'm going to try to intentionally hang out with you sometime. Is that uh, cool? Yeah. Is that okay? Because uh, that, or it's like someone you see a bunch in like six months and you're like, <clears throat> fuck. What's your name again? Oh like, my god, yeah. I know. God, that's the worst. It's like, I feel like hey. that happened to me last night, like four or five times. <laughs> it's just like, oh hey, uh, that. Uh, oh god, I've hung out with you like at least half a dozen times. I have no idea who you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, besides being a new friend <clears throat> and totally rad uh, and playing music, you have a, yeah. a good history, including radio, which is awesome. This is true. Uh, let's talk about the show. Um, about Domino Records yeah. on Eastfield Radio. Uh, so the format was basically like, you know, obviously I played some uh, new Domino releases and as well as from the Domino publishing catalog, which is um, pretty diverse. So I played, you know, a mix of indie rock and new shit that I really liked. Um, it was kind of all over the place. It was that like a new, bit new? schizophrenic. Not that old, old. Not that. I, I played that new, new and that old, old okay. interchangeably. Like, I'd play, like, I'm on Duel 2, like, then, you know, yeah. fucking Blood Orange. Or they whatever. have that deep, deep catalog. They do have a deep catalog. <laughs> um, I knew that I was forever maybe in the good graces of um, Jeff Conklin, who, who was a great institution at that radio station. When he came downstairs from the office and was like, are you playing I'm on Duel? <laughs> And it was just like made his day. He was like, I did not expect to hear that at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. Like, which is great because you know when you like can get like the the GM or the, the yeah. running station who hears music all the time. To Absolutely, be like, I'm gonna get up and go talk to like that. Like that music, that station was just on 24 seven in that office, and the fact like it, it was very special. And um, before that, you know, I had a show. I had a radio show in college as well. Um, one time, I had zero listeners. It was. Um, yeah. <laughs> I could see the listener. I could see the traffic. Just, I just, dropping. just dropping. Just, I'm like, man, I really shouldn't have played that like UK subs song or like whatever I played. But yeah, so I did a world music and post punk show in college. Oh, um, amazing! And that was really fun. The only listeners that I was uh, 
I was 100% sure I had were like the dads of students um, <laughs> when I had college radio show. This guy, Bud, would call every couple of weeks. He was like, his his son ended up taking over my room uh, when I moved down to my house. But like, I knew for sure that I had like the dad population cornered. And what, which radio station was that? It was uh, KWVA. Okay. I, I had like, I had the new new. I had the oh, new it new. It was so new new. It was so. It was like if it had been out for like three weeks, it was like old old. Were you like we were like tracking for the uh, for CMJ and stuff like that? Uh, tracking for CMJ, and then also just like it was. I happened to be there like, at the rise of blogs. That's when I was on. <clears throat> so like any demo that someone coughed out um, <laughs> would just make it. It's like yeah, we got like a fifty six kilobyte rip and i was like that is great we will we will put that on the air and we will awesome. yeah we will we would like rip songs from myspace players to play I, I oh mean, amazing yeah so oh god yeah yeah shit that would not fly now Rips at all. so many mp3s to play on the radio yeah. um i know a lot of people a lot of people do use um spotify and like other streaming services to to dj and it really tell the difference you know like you what can. if the internet what if the internet would well i guess this is an internet station so if the internet down uh went down we'd be fucked but yeah i mean there's a new um that new streaming service that's coming that's gonna that's like they're all the tracks are like flack files mm. and it's like 20 wow. bucks 20 bucks a month interesting so you know pick up your de- they're flat it's like um uncompressed no like you don't lose any uh audio lossless they're gigantic files which is crazy that they're doing it streaming so like i'm not really sure how how is that wow yeah how's that gonna work that's amazing you need need one of those uh college t1 connections yeah yeah (laughs) um all right let's hear a song yeah okay sure forget compression let's hear it live yeah what are you gonna play for us Oh, what am I going to play? Uh, I don't think this song has a name. Um, you know, some some further background. I uh, don't actually play shows or have any. Which recordings. is why this is so great. So this is very special for me. Um, I you know used to play co- the coffee shop circle in Seattle, which is very embarrassing. I can't believe I just said that out loud. Um, so this is actually the first time I've played like just me and a guitar. Um, Maybe six six years. Well, I mean, your your biggest downfall is that you talk about it in your Instagram profile. I I I will tell you, despite the fact that I don't play publicly, I spend probably an hour, you know, thirty to thirty minutes to an hour every day singing and playing guitar. It's just yeah. a part of my life. I think you really downplayed it because you're like, oh, I don't know. And that opening song was great. So yeah, I don't know why I wrote a song in French. It like came. I was drunk walking home from a bar, um, maybe like th- three or four weeks ago. Oh yeah, all of these are very new. T- I don't. Um, I don't know. This is the new new. That's it's it's, it's the new new. I, I come from that like jazz improvisation mindset where I'm like, if you can't play it right the first time, why play it at all? Okay. All right. So let's uh, get. Okay. Well, let's call this track number one. Oh yeah. I'm it's actually two weeks in a row where we have unnamed new stuff that's like just not named. So. That new new. That new new. Oh, it's really loud. I'm sorry, Liz. I'm gonna turn this down a little bit. Okay. That suits me better. Is it too late now to change your mind? Do we have to go back in 
outside In this grand garden There's no more malaise So you come outside And pay me mind And I will see what Milady thinks If she might Call on me tonight She is out of sight You know I'm right She is luxuries She is dreamy things She's a lady in the high castle Whose empire never ended And I, I, I feel alive Inspired by some mad god And I will arrive if she Calls on me tonight She calls on me tonight. Great. Uh, what was it like uh, in the Seattle coffee house <laughs> circuit? And what year was oh it? God. And this was like um, 2007. Great. Um, you know, pretty bleak. Lots of uh, people tamping espresso drinks and. Trying huh. <laughs> to think of the Seattle bands. Um, the Blood Brothers. Have you ever heard of oh, them? Wait. I'm going to see them. Who is it I know going? they're doing that massive reunion. Yes. I'm so excited. I have tickets. We saw Everyone's them at so uh, FYF, and they were incredible. <laughs> I mean, like they. I mean, when we saw them, they played. I went to school in the Northwest, and they played all the time. They actually mm-hmm. did my radio show in college. Wait, where did you go to school again? University of Oregon. Okay, yeah. I went to the University of Washington. Mm. Damn. Get the fuck out of the station. Damn. <laughs> um, they came on the radio show and they were dicks. They came here? Oh. No, no, no. When oh, I was in college, I was so excited. Uh, and they were just dicks. And from like the first like 10 seconds, I was like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> um, by the way, so 2007. Yeah. What was the... Uh, any any contemporaries? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, this was sort of around the same time as, um, you know, Tiny Tiny Vipers. I guess was kicking around. She she was a solo girl. Contemporaries. I don't think any like big names really rose out of that. Um, but sure, like yeah, Tiny Vipers was you know she was signed to Sub Pop and put out some records and had a pretty small following. And I really liked her music. Um, so I guess it was kind of like that. It was just like me and an acoustic guitar. The songs were very different. I mean, not that these are like very mature, but they were very adolescent and bratty. Yeah. What was like uh, a topic? <laughs> I feel like I was always like trying to come up with like, like clever ways to to basically be like, I'm stoned, but like, but like in a clever way and like sing about it and be like, oh, like I'm like I think oh god I can't even believe I'm talking about this. I think I wrote I wrote a song that was like, I arrive red eyed but ready. Wow. wow. Why? Like, wow. no, just no. Yeah. I look back, I just look back on that. I don't, I actually don't even really remember most of those songs. I've probably written, you know, in my mind, maybe like 40, 40 songs. And I, I don't, I only kind of remember the ones I've written recently. Uh, what was your Nick, Cam- your Nick Cap game like? 
my knit cap. Yeah. Oh god, I did. I had like a frumpy girl hat for sure. Um, it was frumpy great. girl hat. That's what my yeah my friend Luke calls them <laughs> frumpy girl hat. Um, I never thought about it, but I guess they are kind of frumpy. Like they're not like great. They were, you know, like those ones that sort of sit farther, a little farther back in your Oh, forehead. I lived in the Northwest. You don't need to tell me about the frumpy girl hat. <laughs> I was just kind of seeing if you subscribed. It was great for the weather, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, just throw this on. Yeah. If it gets a little wet, it's okay. It's like not that expensive. It's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then your hair is kind of dry. Yeah. You get kinda. to wherever you're going. Yeah. Dry enough. Yeah, dry enough. The, the Northwest motto. Yeah. It's dry, dry, dry enough. enough. <laughs> I'm not going to use an umbrella. God, why would I use one of those wonderful human inventions to stay dry? Uh, so, uh, saying that you like play thirty minutes to an hour a day, but not really playing. Like, what is the kind of inspiration for it? Or, um, I've you know, I when I was younger, I used to uh, sing in choirs and um, I did musical theater and stuff like that. So I think it's just a way to stay in practice. Um, I, I, you know, I sing in bands occasionally. I, I was a part of Household, um, which was a Brooklyn band. Uh, played maybe seven, six or seven shows with them um, earlier this year. So I kind of bop around. I I prefer to sing, um, but I, you know, I've spent so much time. I feel like it was like after I broke up with my ex-boyfriend, like a year and a half ago, I live by myself now and I'm like, oh, cool. This is like a practice space and an apartment. <laughs> I'm bored. I like pick up a guitar and like don't tell your landlord they'll charge you more. Oh, yes, it's a practice space and an uh, apartment. We can charge you more for that. <laughs> I, mum's the word. Yeah. Greg Flip. That really is... Put, put your earmuffs on. Yeah, Wait, that's his name. Greg Flip? I definitely and thought he, he was a scammer. And he's, in, re- and he's in real estate? He's in real estate. So what does he do with apartments? Uh, well, I'm sure he flips them, rents them. There we go. Yeah, thank you. I think it's short for Filopovich. Actually, my landlord um, was in a boy band in um, where is his family from uh, very small island from um, anyway um, on the opposite side of the world I don't want to say Fiji but where is he? oh well, I'm blanking on it but he was in a boy band and I looked up pictures on the internet when I googled him to make sure that he wasn't a fake person yeah flip Darren just went through trying to find a, a new apartment, and uh, awful. It was like <laughs> two bedroom for uh, in Williamsburg for a thousand bucks a month. Just wire me the money, and we'll send you the keys because I don't want to come down unless the, <laughs> from upstate unless the money's not real. And that's like uh, okay. <laughs> sure. Dude. I'm just gonna burn this. I'm just gonna light this on fire and send you a photo of this. Um, Seriously. Why don't we get another song? Sure. Crank on a, This is <clears throat> new. New part two. Cool. Me to say, 
can be anyone I want today. I can go where I please. I can get down on my knees if I want to. 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 So when the lights go down and the curtain falls. I'll be in the box seat, starting the applause, starting the applause, starting, starting the applause. So I better stop going. I better stop going, going nowhere, going nowhere but home alone again. So you say Northwest. Are you from Seattle? No, I'm from Austin, Texas. Okay. Ooh, what's your favorite place to get Migos? Ooh, that's a great question. Oh, I, I have an answer. Um, <laughs> there's a Migos taco at a window on Mainer, East Mainer. It's called Taco Mex. It's next to a laundromat. Okay. It's the best. It's Migos. Technically, it's Migos, so I cheated and answered with a breakfast taco. It's fine. Yeah. That's still still accessible. It's, yeah, it's a good answer. Cool. What about you? Polvos. Oh yeah, Polvos is great. Favorite potentially favorite meal in the world. Absolutely. Polvos, cheese, flour, tortillas, black beans. Really? Oh my god, Polvos is so good. What do you want from me? I'm a man of simple tastes. <laughs> you know, I'm just really comfortable with what's going on in my surroundings, and I just need migas from Austin. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I could talk. God, uh, let's just talk about Mexican food for the rest of our lives. Where's your favorite Mexican food place in Austin? Um, I actually I agree with you. I think Polvo's may be one of my favorite places. Um, Boom. See, you, Greg. <laughs> I mean, I'm not arguing. What about in Brooklyn? Uh, that's a harder question. Yeah. Um, I I don't have an answer. Honestly, it's all it's it's okay. I mean, there's you know where I wandered by that I haven't been in a while is Mexico 2000. Where's that? Uh, it's on Broadway. It's in the back of a bodega. Oh, I've heard about this place. Uh, which has been around for a while. I don't know if, if it's, like, good so much as, like, it's cheap and it's, like, in the back at, like, of a bodega and it's okay. it's rad. It's next to Trophy Bar. Darren, do you remember? It's something like... Yeah, you Mexico took me there. 2000. Yeah, you took me there. Still around. It's a bodega. Yeah. It's, it's probably, I, I wonder if it's good as it, as it as I remember it. Yeah, it could be. It could be one of those like it was good because we were uh, broke. We were broke, <laughs> and it was down the street, and like just the location about it was great. Yeah. But I'd be afraid to go back there and it'd be like, oh, it's just not. Oh nice. man, how, how many things are better in life because it's you're you're broke and it's down the street. I'm not just talking <laughs> about food. But <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, there's a place not far from here where we are. Um, I f- I'm trying to remember this. Trying to remember the name. It's on Flushing and Knickerbocker. Um, they have a great torta. Really? Yeah. Okay. Shout out. Yeah. Shout, shout out to that torta. <laughs> shout out to that torta on the corner. I think, I think Free Williamsburg did a roundup of like the ten best taco places, and yeah. they only came up with eight. No, <laughs> there's a bunch of places. It, you have to go out like one or two. More. It's like around these stops. That the best uh, like uh, Mexican food is in Williamsburg. I heard recently that that triangle space on Flushing is finally open. Do you, did you hear about this? Mm-mm. The one across from Life Cafe. 
There's just that property that's a triangle. It's been there forever with like a outside space. Oh, yeah, but Montana's? Yeah, yeah. It's open now. It's not apparently. Montana's. They they did. They opened a bar. I walked by it not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah, they finally opened something there. That's that's crazy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll get our maybe we'll get a good roundup like for uh, Mexican food in the coming. I just I just think it's impossible to have great Mexican food here, but that's just it's like, it's hard. And actually, you know, I like La Superior. Um, come to think of it. Um, their new restaurant, I think it's called um, Serviceria. Yeah, that's the one I was yeah. yeah. going to mention. Oh, that's really good. So, yeah. Twice lately, good deal, good prices. It's good, good prices. Like, they have good good drinks, good beers. It's all like imported beers from Mexico. And yeah, um, yeah I would agree with that. I live across from Loco Burrito in uh, on the Graham stop, so <laughs> I can walk over there in my pajamas yeah. and just get a burrito and <laughs> go back close. home. Close so that's my to favorite. Change. Yeah. I remember when La Superior opened. Uh, I used to get in fights with the managers because they served things traditionally, uh, and they were like, "I was like, okay, knife and fork, like that's not how it's eaten and from where, like from Mexico." And we're like, "Oh, I know, but I'm in the states, and we would get into like epic, epic fights with them of their like toe the line, like just you need to eat it this way." And I was like, "I'm a messy eater. Can I just have a can I have a knife and fork?" So, but they're great, and their foods are awesome. Um, well, I want to make sure we get time for one more song, but um, since you're not playing out that much, mm-hmm. where how can people potentially find you when you do like hop on cameo stuff? Friday nights, <laughs> secret, yeah. secret vocals or guest shows or side Let's projects see. with um, a certain John Chavez? I do. I, I have a project called West Wing, and I'm mentioning it here so that it sounds more real. Based on the show, neither of us have ever seen the television show. All right, perfect. Well, is winter coming? Because winter is coming. Get those first four seasons; it's perfect. <laughs> winter is coming, and that's when we will have band practice again. Um, cool. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been yeah. really fun. Yeah. This is really chill. We're just like eating pizza and hanging out in the back of Roberta's. It's awesome. Yeah, today is like a good buddies type snacky tunes. Yeah, shout out to Jay Strell, who's been our silent guy in the corner. Yeah, I can't wait to drink this. Uh, Jay brought us um, homemade Negroni, bottled aged. Barrel oh, aged Negroni. Oh, yeah. 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 Experiment with those. That's awesome. Um, Nicely bottled. And then next week, uh, I'll be gone for a little bit. Uh, I got to see who's on. But we have uh, Toy Cities on next week, which will be awesome. And we Psychic Twin the following week, which will be great. Psychic Twin will be a cameo as well. Oh. Uh, she's. That's with black kids. As a oh, right. oh. Yeah. <laughs> look at that. Look at that full yeah. circle. Yeah. She, she's great. Um, well, okay. We'll be out and. Um, just want to say super excited for the Flyers tomorrow at the Garden. This is maybe the year. Oh, man. And it's fall. I guess it was fall during last week's show. Yeah. It was really, not that you would know, but happy no, no, fall. It's all reversing. It's summer right now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, well, shout out to Cameo. I'll be there Friday night at 11.59 when the doors open <laughs> for the late night. Um, one more from Alex Rose. Take it away. Cool. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, everyone. All right, this is also, um, I wrote this last week. New, new, part three. Yeah. So it's kind of, I mean, all my songs are kind of rough and demo-y. See, this capo is amazing. Okay. divide 
all is a mess. Tunes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org/slash subscribe.